Hey, y'all. Welcome to Latte and Laundry. I'm Suzanne Bilodeau, and I am so honored to be with you here as we navigate motherhood, wifehood, sisterhood, and everything in between. This is a podcast for my fellow imperfect people who want to grow in greater communion with our most perfect God. So join me and my friends as we laugh, cry, dive deep, and explore with one another as we journey towards stilling our souls while moving our world. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Latte and Laundry. I wanted to start today a series that's kind of been on my heart like on and off over the last like year of something I wanted to kind of try to explore here on the podcast. And I couldn't think of a better time than to start diving in than during the Lenten season. And that's because I have really wanted to dive in deeper to um, the mysteries of the rosary. So for this Lenten season, we will go deeply through the sorrowful mysteries. I couldn't think of a better time when I was like praying over what should we do for the Lenten season. And God and Mary just kept putting in my heart to dive in deep to the mysteries. I was like, well, there couldn't be a greater time than Lent itself to go through the sorrowful mysteries. So that's what we're going to do. And I'm not sure about you. Maybe some of my listeners are do a really good job of reflecting on and praying through the meaning, the depth, and the fruit of the various mysteries when they're doing their rosary. For me, it can be a struggle. I A lot of times I'll read scripture on it and I'll pray over it. But often it's kind of like I fly through even when I do try to dive in deep because I move on to the Our Father and the Ten Hail Marys and I often myself find myself getting very consumed with whatever it is that I'm praying on, praying through that's been on my heart, whether it has to do with my spouse, my kids, other people in my life, the, the way of the world or whatnot. And I can kind of lose sight of the mystery that I had just kind of spoken to or prayed through. And so I wanted to use this as an opportunity to dive in deep to the sorrowful mysteries over the next chunk of weeks during this Lenten season. So given that this is our first episode for this series, we are going to be diving into the agony in the garden. And I'm just going to open up. It's somewhat of a lengthy Bible verse because it's kind of, and this is what I'll do for each of these episodes. I'll kind of go through the meat of the entire Bible verse that we are supposed to somewhat be reflecting on when going through this mystery. So for the agony in the garden, it's Matthew 26, uh, 36 through 39. I might have that slightly off, but this is what I have quoted. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go yonder and pray. And taking with Peter, And the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Okay, so there's so... So much packed, so much meat packed into this. And I think just at first glance and first reflection, I think if we really sit and pray through that, it can be deeply painful for those of us who love our Lord and love Christ so much. It can be deeply painful to know that he himself was in such agony. And I think it's important to realize that this was not like a casual time of worry for Jesus. 
it wasn't just, oh, he's, you know how we can flippantly sometimes throw around words that might not really reflect the depth of what we're really feeling. This isn't one of those times. He was sorrowful even to death, as he said. And in fact, Luke says it even more. He, he says, he prayed so earnestly that the gospel of Luke reflects this saying, his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And I think a lot of times I look at that realizing the power of the fact that God himself came here to live, to become fully human. And he was also fully God. And I think there's something really freeing for my heart when I reflect just on this alone. My heart is saddened by the agony that Christ went through. But realizing how deep and utter painful it was to the point of sweating drops of blood, right? It makes me realize that this man, Christ, who was fully human and fully God, was in severe agony. And we know this. We know that we we talk about this when we talk about how Christ was tempted by the devil and his 40 days in the desert and all these other circumstances of things that Christ went through that are relatable to us in our lives. But to, to see that Christ himself was in such a place of deep agony, even though he is God at the same time, knowing fully well what's to come, what's to transpire between his walk with the cross, his death, his crucifixion, and his resurrection, he still was in immense agony, sweating drops of blood. And I think sometimes that is fruitful for our hearts in knowing that we can know the truths. We can know the truths of the resurrection, of the glory, of the hope in Christ, and that it's still very human, as Christ experienced, to still experience deep, sorrowful, agonizing pain or worry. And I don't think that sometimes I think when I first reflect on this, I think of Christ as just worrying about the physical pain he was going to endure, which we know was unlike anybody else's physical pain. Um, His death was unlike any death that any of us will ever experience. And I think for a while I had just listened to this, prayed over this, and saw it as him agonizing over the physical pain he was going to go through. But I think it is so much greater than that. And I think it goes beyond him worrying about his own pain. But instead, as the prophet Isaiah foretold, he says, he bore the sin of many and made intercession for their transgressions. This is where Christ is laying in the in the garden in such agony, knowing the climax of his intercession, carrying the weight of all of our sins, was here and now approaching with his death on the cross. I think he was in agony over the the sins of the human race, of those that have sinned, were sinning, and were to sin. I think he was in deep agony and deep prayer with his heavenly Father over the weight of what he was carrying, right? And I think, to be really honest, this mystery has always been really um, encouraging for my weary heart, especially when we look at what Matthew says right at the end there, where he says, my father, if it is not possible that this cup pass without my drinking it, your will be done, right? Please, he, he was begging for this cup to pass. But at the end of it, he says, but 
Not my will, your will. And I think knowing that our Lord Jesus was was in such agony that he wanted this cup to pass from him. Isn't that us? Isn't isn't that us who want our troubles, our strife, our suffering to pass? And Christ fully knowing that this was the Father's will was still accepting of the, his Father's will in front of him, which was to go through the walk of Calvary, crucified on the cross, and die for us. He knew that. But he was still asking if this if this cup, if I could not drink from this cup, if this suffering can pass. And I think often my prayer a lot of times, I'll be frank, doesn't always look like, could you let this cup pass for me? And I don't continue on with, but not as I will, but as you will. Often I'm just begging the Lord to take this this suffering away from me. A lot of times I am just in such deep pain and agony that I'm actually focused and wanting to relieve myself from whatever I'm experiencing rather than also surrendering to the Father's will, which we know, and we've talked about this on other episodes, which we know is the most perfect will. He has the perfect wisdom. His plans are greater than our plans. His ways are higher than our ways. So I think it's a good reminder, and I love hearing our Lord Jesus ask that this cup pass because it shows the real human side of him. But then there he goes as God himself declaring the most beautiful part of his prayer when he says, but not as I will, but as you will. And I think that's something that all of us during this Lenten season should be really keeping close, near and dear to our hearts and ask Mary when we do our rosaries to intercede for us. Because a lot of times, I'll be honest, I might know, knowing that our Lord's will, my heavenly father's will might be in the direction I am not desiring. My human fallen self does not want right then and there. It's really hard for me to pray, but not as I will, as you will. I'll do it. And a lot of times my heart is not attached to it. So it's important that we even ask Mary to intercede in these earlier places in our heart, in these very tiny places within the depths of our soul and our heart to say, Mary, just intercede that I may desire my Father's will so that in these places of suffering, I really do desire for my Father's will, not my will. And I think when we intellectually can step back and say, well, I know my Father's will is perfect and I know his plans are greater than my plans, his ways are higher than my ways, I think if we really sit in that, then we might be able to lift this prayer to the heavens just as Jesus did. But I think a lot of times when we're in the midst of our strife and our suffering, it's very difficult for our hearts to actually match up to what we might already know intellectually as truth, that our Father's will is, is best and most perfect. So I would encourage my listeners, as I will be doing this Lenten season, to keep asking Mary to intercede for me in this way, to lead me towards a greater desire to do and live according to my Father's will, even if it's not what my own um, human desires are asking for at that at this point. And I think um, another thing about this mystery that I, when I was praying over it before um, recording this episode, that I thought was really interesting, and we didn't talk about it in the opening Bible verse, but it's definitely part of the scene here while Christ is in the garden and he's in such deep agony, right? We saw that he had asked um, 
Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, he asked them to come with him as he went to pray. And, and specifically in our opening Bible verse, he says, remain here and watch with me, right? And the part that we didn't discuss in the opening Bible verse that I think is such an important part of the story with this mystery is when Jesus returns to his disciples and he finds them sleeping. And he kind of, I guess, it sounds like he's scolding them, but I think he's just like bringing to light. He says, could you men not keep watch with me for just one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And I think that's so true. This is not like a unique story for the disciples. I think this is so true for us. Are we not just like the disciples, right? We desire to follow Jesus' example by praying to our Heavenly Father in our time of need. Yet a lot of times when we are really overcome with the weight of this world and we're deep into our distress, we often lack the energy and stamina to keep fighting the good battle. We can get really deflated, wave our little white flags, and and really um, just find ourselves discouraged and giving into what Jesus said, don't give into to, which was temptation, right? The enemy wants to tempt us to think our prayers and our efforts towards the spiritual journey are in vain and that we should just quit because it's too hard. And I think this is where it's so beautiful to hear Jesus come back and say, could you not stay watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. He wants them to watch and learn from him, right? And I, I want to be really clear here. This is not a message to discourage us from resting because Jesus is very much aware of our weakness, our weaknesses of the flesh, right? And God looks at the condition of our heart, not just that of the flesh. So this isn't a discouragement from relaxing or resting because by all means, falling asleep, especially in the presence of God, um, because of the pure peace that he might produce in our hearts is really powerful. I'll be honest, there's been a lot of times where I've gone to Eucharistic adoration to spend time with our Lord and I find myself exhausted and overcome with just this real relaxation and peace in the presence of our Lord and I find myself falling asleep. And I find that really comforting because I think it was St. Therese who used to fall asleep often when she was in the chapel and just was aware of her own little weakness and her own littleness and that our Lord actually delighted in her cute sweetness. And I think this as any, for any of us mamas out there, I think you can relate that a lot of times we adore our children the most when we can look upon them with deep maternal reflection while they're resting or sleeping and we're just so in love with our children and I don't mean that's just because they're quiet because a lot of times I'm like overcome with such joy and love for them even when they're awake out up and about and and wild and crazy but I think there's something really tender and beautiful when they're resting so this was not a message of saying hey look how the disciples dropped the ball there and fell asleep so don't ever fall asleep or rest because our lord wants us to be on alert at all the time i don't think that's what this is trying to speak to our hearts instead i think it's just an encouragement for our weary souls especially when we can become really overwhelmed or beaten down i mean the disciples had just come from the last supper with our lord where he was alluding to things that were to come They were probably exhausted and weary and saw that our Lord 
needed time to pray, right? Falling prostrate with his face into the ground. And they just probably got weak and tired and fell asleep. But I think it's a real reflection for us when we are invited to come to our Lord, come to our Heavenly Father in prayer, especially as it relates to the ones we love, our children, our spouses, our relatives, our close friends, that we don't fall prey to the enemy's temptation, which is to stop short of continuing with our fervent prayers for them, right? The enemy would love more than anything else for us to see prayers unanswered or hearts unconverted and for us to give up on praying and to fall asleep at the wheel, if you will, and to not join Jesus in his fervent praying. But I think this is a beautiful reminder for us to not do that. And I've talked about this in other episodes, I think. But one of my most favorite examples of this is St. Monica, who I just, as a mom, she, her example is such comfort to my heart. She prayed for her son, St. Augustine, right? Who was very, very much what she would probably consider her wayward son, She followed him around and she prayed for him fervently. And she didn't pray for one year for him to change his ways or two years and change his ways or three. I don't know if I had done it for a decade. I'll be honest. (laughs) I would love to be St. Monica. I'm not sure I'm there yet, but I might have grown weak and weary and kind of let my prayers fizzle out. And St. Monica's example is just so beautiful because she prayed for 16 years for her son. 16 years for her wild son who was very, very much consumed with the things of this world, as I'm sure a lot of us mamas fear for our own children. And he was really not living the life that a good Christian son would. And she did not give up hope in Jesus. She did not give up hope in the, in the conversion of her son's heart. And after 16 years of praying, her prayers were answered, right? And now we have St. Augustine, who is one of the the biggest doctors of the church, this profound saint who has taught us so much. And, you know, you just wonder what would his life have looked like had she stopped praying after five years or after 10 years or even after 15 years. If she gave up hope, we don't know that we'd still be sitting here with this great profound saint. And I think that's a good reminder for us when we're reflecting on the agony in the garden of Jesus's disciples there with him. Yes, so much of it has to do with his agonizing pain over the weight of what he was carrying and all he would endure. But the beauty of knowing that he turned his heart as he always had it. it, I shouldn't even say turned because it was never turned away from wanting the father's will, but that his heart was still centered on, but not my will, yours. And then there's this beautiful, tender reminder when Jesus kind of wakes up his disciples and says, what's going on? Could you not stay with me for an hour? Could you not come pray with me? Do not give into temptation. So I would say that that's something that we can all walk away with and and take to heart this Lent is don't give into temptation when you feel that your prayers are going unanswered, especially for the ones that you love children and your spouses, etc. Because just as we say, not my will, or as Jesus says, not my will, your will, Father. Our Father's timing is not our timing. So 
There might have been a reason why St. Monica needed to pray 16 years. Maybe it was for a greater conversion of her heart. Maybe it was for St. Augustine to experience even more um, brokenness of this world so that when it was time for his heart to be converted, he'd be an even greater saint than he would have had he been converted two, three, four, ten years earlier. We don't know our Heavenly Father's way, but we must trust it just as Jesus said, not my will, your will. And last thing I just want to note that I thought was really beautiful if we think about it was that there's a real correlation here between the first man, Adam, and Jesus himself. And it was in the Garden of Eden that man's relationship was first broken with God. Right After Adam and Eve sinned, God banished them from the garden. It's what we talk about in Genesis 3. But it's here in the garden once again in the New Testament where Jesus, both the Son of God and Son of Adam, submits himself to the Father's will. And it's right here once again in the garden that our Lord begins to restore man's relationship to God by offering himself as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. And I think that's really beautiful to see that relation, that that full circle of what was once broken in the garden is now beginning to be redeemed in the garden. So friends, I hope that as we journey through Lent together this season, we can take a deeper look at these mysteries, specifically in this episode, the agony of the garden, but really reflect and allow our Lord to to really speak deeply to your heart um, where he wants to take you this Lenten season, how he wants to you, you to unite himself, yourself to him in this suffering, and that we can see the real beauty that our Heavenly Father allowed us to experience himself, God, as fully human and fully God so that we could Find comfort in knowing that Jesus has tasted far, far greater than what we have probably tasted, but he has tasted the pain, suffering, and agony of this world. And he came to not just be this story, this thing that we can say, oh, that was a really great story of Jesus and his experience here on earth in this um, way that he suffered and died for us. It's so much greater than that. We hear sometimes we just hear in great details and we feel like, oh, great, great stories. But Christ didn't just want to show us what he did, but instead he came to show us how he lived so that we may have a real human example of how we can live similarly. So that when we feel distraught and down, we can also turn and say, but not my will, your will. And we can have the encouragement to continue through the fervent praying that we know we are called to continue to do even when the enemy so sneakily tries to tempt us into cutting our prayer short or falling into hopelessness about a specific situation. So friends, I am blessed to have been with you here again, once again today. And I ask if you wouldn't mind, just pray for me during this Lenten season And I will so wonderfully be praying for all of you. And I pray that we can all come together and really reflect on these mysteries so that we may more beautifully ask for Mary and her intercession 
as we've allowed them to penetrate into the depths of our hearts. Hope you guys have a wonderful week and we'll check in with you next week. God bless. Thank you.